0: Time, is it? Game time. It's game time. I'm calling you out to step up your effort, step up your vision. Never give up. Nobody in this room came this far to only come this far. Never settle. Everybody wants to be a beast. It's to do a real beast. With. Always
1: hustle. Anything that starts with, I don't want to work, is already a problem. This is game time
0: with Puck and A.A. Ron. Are you ready? Let's go!
2: What is up, Triumph family? We actually have Asayel Lopez joining us today. Ace, how are you doing today, brother?
0: I'm doing awesome. Good to be here.
2: We're glad you're here. Aaron is out traveling, and so we have a special podcast today uh, with a friend of ours. It's actually Michael Santiago's brother-in-law, Ellie, his wife. It's it's her uh, brother, Dean Smith, and we're going to learn why we have him on this podcast here in a sec. I'm really excited about this one. Um, Ace, you're the one that actually pointed this out, like what he was doing.
0: Yeah. So I follow Michael and Ellie on uh, Instagram and her story came up and it was like her brother doing all these kind of crazy, like obstacle courses and things. And story went on forever. And I found myself just like looking at it and was kind of just inspired. I don't know. Dean. Yeah. Never met him actually yeah. to talk to him, but it was super cool to see kind of what he's doing. So it'll be fun to get into it today.
2: Yeah, it's cool. We're actually going to call him right now and just dive into our interview and He's in Germany right now serving as a ranger. Is that what what he is?
0: Yeah, he's a ranger. It's like uh, like one of the most elite parts of the army, I guess, or branches, I guess. I don't know. Yeah,
2: we're going to find out more from him, but stay tuned. You're in luck. This is going to be awesome. Let me get him on the call here. Dean how's it? I'm doing awesome, brother. How are you?
1: Uh, I can't complain. Life's pretty good
2: <laughs> So I got a, a, a co-host with me. His name's Ace um, He's going to be joining us today. Say what's up, Ace?
0: What's up, Dean? How are you?
1: Hey, what's up, Ace? Pretty good. How are
0: you? I'm doing well, man. You don't know me, but I caught, um, a little glimpse of kind of what you guys are doing or what you were doing on Ellie's Instagram and I I became an instant fan. So dude, I'm pumped to to kind of get in it with you.
1: Yeah. I'm happy to be here.
2: Yeah. Thanks very much for joining us today. We, uh, it was, it was actually Ace who was, he said, Hey Puck, have you seen what Ellie's brother's doing? I'm like, which brother, you know, I know she has two. And she said, Dean, he's out dominating this competition which we want to dive into that in a little bit but I, before we do that i kind of want to get into how you joined um this part what what motivated you to be a ranger etc and, and you, you went to west point i want to talk a little bit about that as well but so just so the listeners and myself understand like you're an actual you're a ranger right now correct is that what your title is or the division that you're part of
1: yeah yeah so i'm out in your right now uh in germany station out here and yeah so i just became a platoon leader and i'm just running some dudes trying to yeah train and get better every day
2: that's awesome so you but that's like a branch like that's kind of so just help like people that are like don't understand all this very well which is me included so you join the army and there's different types of like there's like green berets and there's Navy SEALs that's part of the navy and this and that but a ranger is kind of a, a a very coveted very difficult um ranking to have in the military is that correct?
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. It doesn't take as much time as uh to be as it does then to become a green beret, but uh it's it's challenging in its own way. <laughs> well,
2: it's awesome. And so let me just <laughs> so there's a book um by Angela Duckworth called Grit. Have you heard that of that book before? Dean. I've
1: actually read it. Yes.
2: Yeah. You've yeah. read it. And so it's, it's crazy. So that she actually spoke at a conference that Ace and I went to two weeks two ago. Weeks ago. Yep. We were eating, uh, lunch on center street in Main, and center street in Provo. And Ace, you're like, I think that's Angela Duckworth. What, yeah. You? We
0: were, we were just grabbing a bite at Ernie's. If you've been down there in Provo and all of a sudden this Asian lady walked by with her AirPods in and she had like a backpack on and we knew she was speaking at the, at the event at that conference later that night. And so I'm like, Hey, I wonder if that's her anyway. So I ran out and asked if we could buy her a sandwich. She, um, she was nice and she, well, I asked if that was Angela Duckworth. She said she was. And when I invited her to come in, she, she, uh, she was on a meeting. So she, we weren't able to sit down with her and like have a sandwich, but it was really cool to like listen to her later that evening. And I don't know, man, like, so you said you just read that book recently.
1: I just walked back up. I'm sorry.
0: I was just saying, did you, you just said you just read that recently or how long ago was that?
1: Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I heard about it cause she did a lot of the, her studies at West Point, the school I went to. So yeah. it piqued my interest. Yeah. Let, let's talk, let's talk
2: about this. So she starts her book. This is what she says. So I'm going to like, so the administration's process for West Point is at at least as rigorous as for the most selective universities. So these are the, the people that attend, you have top, scores on the SAT or ACT and most outstanding high school grades are a must. But when you apply to Harvard, you don't need to start your application in the 11th grade and you don't need to secure a nomination from a member of Congress, a Senator or a vice president of the United States. Did you have to get a, you had to get a nomination from a Congress member or someone? Yeah. Senator Lee helped me out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Hey pays to know people. Right. And then, and then she says, um, each year, in their junior year of high school, more than fourteen thousand applicants begin the admissions process. the The pool is winnowed to just fourteen thousand who succeed in getting the required nominations. Slightly more than half of those applicants, about twenty five hundred, meet West Point's rigorous academic and physical standards. And from that sol- select group, just twelve hundred are admitted and enrolled. Nearly all the men and women who come to West Point were varsity athletes most were team captains and yet one in five cadets will drop out before graduation. So let's talk, first of all, what motivated you? Like, was there something in your upbringing that motivated you to, to join the army and attend, um, West Point?
1: Oh man, that's a great question. Um, I'm kind of a weird case. Most people there kind of wanted to go there their whole lives. Um, it wasn't until the end of my junior year that it really like, Attracted me, I guess. We had a family friend, Danny played. He played a uh, football at BYU, and his his son went there. And I'd always heard stories about his son and his success and the good times he had in his career and everything. um And so I really that like, I don't know, it felt like a sign to me, like I needed to pursue it. So I I was a little late to the game, but I scrambled, got everything together. I ended up having to take the the ACT. I think I ended up taking it seven times to get my score okay. high enough. Hey, but uh, you and me both, yeah, brother.
2: Man. You and me both.
1: <laughs> it's brutal.
2: So, so was yeah, there? But uh,
1: yeah, my dad was in the army as well, and okay. so yeah, just the combination of those two, it really seemed to be the the right place for me.
2: Yeah. Well, your dad's a specimen himself. I didn't know he was in the army. That makes that makes a little bit of sense for me. Um, so you go to West Point, and it says that there's one in five cadets that drop out before they graduate. In fact, they drop out like their very first summer. What is it? Is there, is there something that happens like where there's a regimen or where it kind of weeds people out or what is it? Why, what would happen to make someone want to drop out of West Point when it took them two stinking years to apply for and maybe their whole life to prepare for?
1: Yeah, definitely. Great question. So, I mean, for instance, my, so the way you start West Point uh so I graduated high school and then I think 3 weeks later sometime in June I reported to what they call Beast. It's essentially West Point's equivalent of basic training. Yep. And, and it's I think it was, it was 7 weeks, I want to say, it might have been 9. I can't remember to be honest. Um basically a mirror of uh what basic training looks like and so you're stripped of all privileges. I remember I had really long hair going into it. First day they buzz everybody. Um they it's a whole new world. I didn't honestly didn't know much about the army at all. My, as you know, my dad doesn't really talk about it, but I was just felt like a foreign world. I felt like a complete idiot every day and um, everyone else kind of knew what was going on, but I was just trying to figure it out. Um, But what I was going to say is my, my roommate at beast, he, you know, he's one of those kids want to go there his whole life. But I think about three weeks in he, he pulled the plug and he quit And I actually talked to him about it. I want to say like two years ago, and he really regretted it, just because he felt like he let himself down.
0: Mm. That's kind of crazy, man. So when when you got there, I guess for you, like, tell us a little bit about your experience and how that was. Was it was that something you contemplated? Was it like maybe going back home or not 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 seeing it through?
1: Yeah, no, that's I actually. So I went to West Point for two years and then I quote unquote dropped out because I went and served a mission and then I had to reapply and do the entire process again. Oh, so thanks. a year into my mission, I had to go through the whole thing, get another application, take PT, like physical tests out there. And <laughs> so during that process, I was debating, like, am I making the right call going back? Cause when you go back, you're, you're locked in, like you're serving five years active duty. Uh, following graduation and there's no take backs at that point like for instance if you get a lot of kids get kicked out even i mean a lot quit but a lot get kicked out cuz there's a very strict honor code there so essentially you can't lie cheat steal but the biggest thing is, is you can't tolerate anybody so like for instance if your buddy stole something or cheated on a test and told you about it you're obligated legally to report and which i have mixed feelings about but um what i'm trying to say is Yeah. Once you get, if you, if you get kicked out your junior or senior year, you still have to pay back the army in one way or another, they're usually that's non promotable time and service or like $400,000. So for me, I was like, man, this is a huge commitment. Just, just going back to West point right after my mission. And so I was kind of thinking about other opportunities, different schools, whatnot, but at the end of the day, to answer your question, I've kind of lived my life with a model. It sounds corny, but like no regrets. Like every time I make a decision, I really think, am I going to regret this? Like, did I take the easy way out? And I mean, that's why I went infantry, why I uh, did Ranger, why I did best Ranger competition, because, you know, confronting those choices, you really don't want to do it. I don't, you know, <laughs> no one wants to put themselves in hard situations, like realistically human nature. But at the end of the day, I I think I would, I don't know, harbor animosity towards myself and feel like, just feel soft. So, um, yeah, that's, I just felt like doing it and finishing it out was, was worth it. No matter how hard, I think it's just enduring the suck and, uh, you know, no one likes doing hard things, but the, the feeling of fulfillment afterwards is always worth it.
0: Yeah. That's awesome, man. So, so you did two years at West Point, then two years on your mission, then another two years at West Point. Is
1: that right? Yeah.
0: So it's kind of a weird one. Cool. Well, no, that's awesome, man. And so I guess, I don't know if, if you want to, so you just did the, it was it the ranger, the best ranger competition. Is that what it's called?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and so I guess that's what I'm super pumped to like kind of hear about. Um, so kind of tell us about that. I know it's like the top teams in rangers, right. That get to compete in this and kind of go into that a little bit.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, basically how it works. It's an annual competition. They said about 50 teams every year. So you have to compete at a local level, like only Rangers can try out for it. And then if you get picked up at your unit, then you're able to actually go to the competition and compete. So it's pretty selective as far as even getting there. And then at the competition itself, uh, it's, it's three days, and each day they cut half of the teams. So I think we this year we had actually more teams than usual for whatever reason, but there's 56 teams and then they had 28 teams go into day 2. Uh the morning of day 2 they they p- <laughs> announced the cuts and then the morning of day 3 they cut that down again in half. So even just finishing the competition is uh, crazy. a crazy cool feat, so are there teams that
2: are there teams that quit or are there teams that they actually like what it's like you have no chance of winning, you barely like made it, so you're just cut or you don't make a certain time or what, what is it that determines whether they get get cut or not?
1: yeah, so this year we did we did sixty miles on day one, and I would say probably I'm guessing here about eighty percent of those miles were done with either a rucksack weighing like 60 plus pounds or a weighted vest and a 60 pound sandbag. So, it was a pretty brutal first day compared to prior years. Yeah. And so a lot of teams quit physically this year. I mean, combination of physical and mental. Like some guys got hurt. But so so sorry I mean, to cut you off. Know, Just I'm kind of biased. Well, a couple yeah, of yeah. quick
2: questions. So, when you said we did 60 plus miles, what does that mean you ran? You ran that and are you wearing like your all your equipment and you're running in boots or like a weighted, vests, yeah, weighted
1: so. vest? Yeah, a weighted vest like Yeah. The whole competition you're wearing uh, your uniform, the boots and the camo, kind of get up that you picture a typical army dude in and then um you're just Yeah, I guess I should kind of summarize the event itself. You're basically just have a ton of events just crammed together. Um and they're all timed. So you get a point total for each individual event. Um and so there's different things like a lot of it's physical, a lot of it's military tactical related skills. So like shooting different military tasks. Um, but uh, yeah, it's yeah. So every event it's scored and then they add them up. And then the morning of day two, the lowest teams that obviously didn't quit, uh, they get cut out and they have to go home. Dang. So, just,
2: I have a ton of questions and Ace, if you have some, just cut me off or whatever. But like, so you have all these, like there, I, I've seen videos of you jumping out of helicopters in the water. You're scaling up like buildings. You're like tying a rope on a rope and like climbing a rope. And yeah, I mean, you're doing a lot of just super set um, things where, where is this all taking place? By the way, is this in like a cool climate or is this, where, where was this all happening? The race?
1: It was in Fort Benning, Georgia. So pretty, pretty humid, pretty muggy.
2: As humid as it gets. You're running 60 miles day one, and the the race is a two day race. So it's like 65 hours. Is that what it is? Or 65? Is it straight hours? Do they feed you or like what?
1: (laughs) Yeah, no. It's so it's like two and a half, almost three days. Uh, We probably, I think we slept an hour the first night and two hours the second night. So it's two nights, three days. Um, and then they give you, I don't know if you've heard of MREs. It's like (laughs) meal ready to eat. It's basically food that doesn't expire that we eat in the army all the time. Uh, just a little prepackaged thing. So we got, uh, about two of those a day to get through. So
0: not a lot of fuel. I remember watching some of the videos, but it looked like it was pretty gnarly weather. Like it was, it was dumping rain. It looked like to me. So you're doing all this in the heat, in the rain. And I guess like, how, how do you prepare for something like this? I mean, is there, I I would imagine like, you know, teams try out for this thing, but like, was it something you guys felt like you guys had a good chance? Were you kind of the underdog going into it? Like, how was that?
1: Oh man, that again, great question. We were complete underdogs. We, I mean, we ended up finishing third and we had most of the teams that finished come up to us and just be like, what did who are you guys? Like you are the ultimate dark horses. Um, Cause Europe like this, the, the units in Europe traditionally historically haven't done very well. Um, it's just more difficult. We have a lot going on kind of a hectic training cycle, but uh, like for example, most of the teams they'll have minimum six month train up where their entire job is to prepare for this event. Some teams have a year. So, like, for instance, they're already picking teams for next year, you know, 11 months, 11 months, almost a year out in some units. So, we we got a very late start on the game. Uh, we didn't start training really until January. So, we had about three months. And, again, all the other units have coaches and everything. But, I mean, with the whole Ukraine situation and everything, our unit's just been super busy. So, uh, we, we coached ourselves and just kind of – tried to figure things out Two young dudes, just not really knowing what was going on, but most of it was just a lot of physical. And then we tried to go out shooting as much as we could, but we were definitely underprepared on, on shooting.
2: Dang. I have a bunch of more questions here. This is fascinating. So did you have an event where you're just like, Oh dude, I own this. This is like, like what's your superpower Dean? You're just like, dude, I'm as good as anyone, any other Ranger at this specific one.
1: Oh man, I'm going to be honest. I don't, I don't feel like I'm exceptionally incredible. I mean, I'm pretty good at obstacle courses. I felt really confident about those. We do a lot of obstacle courses in it. Yep. Um, and and what,
2: and tell us like, what's, what's an obstacle course? Like you're, you're crawling under barbed wire, you're, you're scaling. Like what, what, tell us what a typical obstacle course is.
1: Yeah, they're, they're, I'm not going to lie. They're kind of gnarly. The ones we do, uh, yeah, barbed wire crawl under. There's a lot of towers like they call like the Confidence Climb. You go up a bunch of there's like I guess like wooden logs that go up um but they increase the gap between them as you get higher to where like you basically have to jump for the next rung and you're like 40 plus feet up in the air Damn, and jump over the rung and go on the other side. So it's kind of it kind of takes your breath away every time. Um There's uh, yeah, stuff like that. Lots of rope climbs, um, different things like a commando crawl. Like you'll basically like crawl like a horizontal rope. You'll kind of shimmy across it type of thing. Um, yeah, all sorts of wazoo stuff. Honestly, you can look it up. I saw a clip of
2: you like, yeah, yeah, you like had a balance on like a wet beam. It looked like you like climbed up this ladder, like balance on a beam. And then you kind of just like Slither. You have like one leg hanging down. You like slither and go, to, and then you fall into the water. I was like, "Dang, you made you made that look pretty easy." Just uh, I don't know if you're like really good at slithering or whatever you call. It. I don't know what they call that tactic, but
1: uh, you know what I'm talking no, about. I, it might look easy on video, but every time I do that thing, it's like I think that's like 35 feet up in the air, and there's wind, and the the metal beam actually. So yeah, you climb up a ladder, and then you're on a metal beam about 35 feet over water and I'm not scared of heights or anything, but every time I do that, I'm terrified just because the wind's shaking the beam and then you have to go up There's steps on the beam itself. And it's probably, I don't know exactly how wide it is, but it feels pretty narrow. It's like, a, I want to say six inches. Dang. And so, so yeah, you yeah.
0: <laughs> so Dean as, as you guys are getting there though, like this is your first time doing this competition, right? So is, is the mindset kind of just yeah. like, Hey, we want to, see if we could even finish. Were you like, Hey, we're going to go win this thing. I mean, did you have any idea you guys were going to do that? Well,
1: honestly, I had no, I really, I had no idea we'd do that. Well, I, my goal was to finish to make it to day three. I would prior to this, I would have been very proud of that. Um, and then ironically, we don't, they don't even tell you how you're doing as far as like the, the standings mm. uh, throughout the competition. So you do, I don't even know how many events we did day one, like, maybe 20. We did a ton of events. Day one, a lot of physical stuff. And I honestly thought we were like middle of the pack. And then, uh, yeah, you go all through the night and then we slept an hour and woke up in the morning for day two. And that's when they posted the standings on the board, as well as like the cuts. And we were in fifth place going into day two. And my partner and I just looked at each other with wide eyes, didn't talk for an hour. Cause we were just shocked. We we're like, all right, dude, we have a shot at this.
2: That's that's hilarious. Well, I remember running into your mom. And uh, so for for those that don't know, I, I serve alongside your dad in our church calling for our church, but your mom's like, yeah, we had no idea he's going to do this good. After day one, he was in like fifth place. And so we like hopped on a plane. Uh, I think her and your brother did. And they're just like, whoa, this is awesome. So you're just like turning heads everywhere. But I want to talk a little bit about, so for everyone knows it's a two man, it's a, you have a teammate, right? And so Talk yes. to us a little bit of how important it is to have a teammate where you guys maybe trust each other or, and just maybe some of the challenges and some of like the benefits of having someone where it's like, maybe you're dragging, he motivates you, et cetera. So the importance of having a really good teammate where you're in sync.
1: Oh yeah. That's, that's huge. I mean, that's half the competition and I'm super grateful for my partner. Um, I mean something that was interesting, like I had thought about like, going into the competition was you really, you really never know how someone's going to compete when conditions are that rough. You know, when you're really, it's that gritty of conditions and you're down that bad, tired, hungry, whatever. So it's not that I doubted him or anything. I was just like, I like, we'll see how he does. You know what I mean? Cause you can go on a run all you want fresh in the morning with a full stomach. But, um, that was kind of one of my, I guess I don't want to say concerned cause that makes him sound bad, but I was curious how he do, but he stepped up big time and it seemed like the reason we succeeded was every time one of us was down bad, the other one picked it up just naturally. Um, mm. Like for instance, on day one, the last event is an unknown distance ruck. So we'd already done over 40 miles on the day and we started a, a ruck at basically. What's like a twilight. ruck? By like,
2: the way, what w- does that mean?
1: Sorry, it's a so basically a rucksack. It's just like a big army backpack. Oh god! It. Yeah, it's just filled with stuff, and you just basically run. So they, we just call it ruck for ease. But uh, yeah, it was a pretty heavy ruck, probably over sixty pounds, and we'd already done over forty miles, so we were pretty beat and tired and everything. And the, the thing that was really hard about that mentally was we didn't know, nobody knew how far it was going to be. They don't tell you on purpose to kind of mess with you. And we'd already done so many miles, especially compared to previous years that, I mean, the general chatter was people like, oh, I won't be any more than 15 miles. And so I I made sure, like, I pulled my partner aside. I was like, dude, like, prep for 20 plus, man. Like, there's, don't let that play with you. Because um, in a, another year, they actually had a fake uh finish line on that ruck and people crossed it, thought they were done, and then they they did it on purpose to mess with people and then they moved back the finish line two or three miles and a bunch of teams actually quit right then and there at the fake finish line. So I just told him I was like, hey man, like we're going until we finish. And that was probably the most down bad. my partner ever was throughout the comp. Like we started off the ruck moving, we were running it was very hilly, uh, course. So, I mean, we started, we both started cramping and then we had to kind of slow down the pace a lot. And yeah, it was just hard, just a combination of dehydration and being hungry, not having enough calories. But I really, uh, I feel like I kind of carried the way on that and it paid off. And then on night two, uh, going into day three, we did, a a a land navigation. So basically you, you plot points on a map in the middle of the woods super densely uh, vegetated and it's pitch black and you it was 5 hours and you, again you have a rucksack on for this so it's pretty miserable um and it, i was down bad on that one we we call it droning in the in the army like kind of kind of sleepwalking you're a zombie like you're awake but you're just dang i don't know your brain's not working and i was droning big time like at one point on the night land nav he was he was leading the way getting us to the right point. And I, I literally just started walking the other direction and we started yelling at each other. He's like, where are you going? I'm like, dude, where are you going? He's like, dude, you're going the completely wrong way. And we had to like Mm kind of reconcile. It's like, Hey man, I'm so sorry. Like I'm really out of it. So there's just lots of moments like those where one of us stepped up big time and really relied on each other. But the biggest thing I think that I learned was the importance of just not beating each other up, like staying positive because with that many events and that long of a duration, there's lots of moments that one of us messed up, but we stayed positive with each other and never really got angry. And there wasn't any, uh, we didn't harbor any like grudges or anything and just moved on said, Hey man, like you got this and it it really paid off.
2: Yeah. A lot of times this is the success we have is who we surround ourselves with and our attitude and just kind of helping each other when we're down. That's a really cool story. It seems like a lot of, those challenges they're giving you as a mental, it's like okay, we're not telling you how long you got to run, or we're putting you in the middle of nowhere and you don't know where. Like it, that's got to be defeating mentally. I'd love to hear your take on just when you're when you're wanting. Like, how do you? What advice would you give to someone that's like, I want to be more mentally tough? Or how do you? You like acquire that skill to be like, we're not we're not going to quit until this race is over. We're not going to give up. We're done when it's over. Like, how did you develop that? Or what advice would you give to someone that wants to be more mentally tough?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think what you just said is a huge part of it. Surrounding yourself with people that are that are gritty and mentally tough and will push you. Because, I mean, like you said, we're a product of our environment. And if you're around soft people all the time, you're naturally gonna lean that way. And you're gonna forget like all the... I don't know. I'm a big believer in like pain brings pleasure. It sounds kind of weird, but like there's nothing better than going through some temporary pain and then getting through it and crossing that finish line and feeling good about yourself. And so I guess something for me, like I was on the I was on the army boxing team when I was at West Point and we had like four big tenets, like kind of like our motto that we would say every day and remind ourselves It was always hungry, never quit, relentless and brotherhood. And so for me, like, I think something I would give advice to people is just set goals, write them down, like write down some, some tenets or mottos or principles you want to live by and, and hold yourself accountable. Cause I think at the end of the day, like accountability is huge because you don't want to let other people down, but I think it's more important, just as important to not let yourself down.
0: That's awesome. Dean, Dean. Um, I remember what, as I was watching, you know, the, the Instagram stories, um, I'm not like a super emotional guy, but I found myself like wanting to go back and seeing kind of how you were doing. And, uh, it it was all, it was super inspiring, right? Like what you were doing. And I guess in that team environment, like, have you always been like, would you say this gritty or like that mentally tough? Or is that something that you developed obviously like your, your time at, at West Point? a mission, I would assume that was probably helpful too. But like, I guess, is that something you, you, you think like you, I guess you naturally had, or is it something that you've developed over time? Hmm, I definitely think it's a combination. Um, like, I feel like I was
1: a pretty resilient little kid, but like, I never, I mean, I pushed myself, but I hadn't done anything up until, I guess to backtrack a little bit. So I, I started, I had wrestled a little bit like messing around, but like, I actually like wrestled in high school, my senior year, I kind of put myself out there. Um, but up until that point, I don't feel like I had really done anything that hard that like merited myself being like proud of, I guess, like, um, but I think like, yeah, just putting myself out there and putting myself intentionally into positions where like, I, I stood to grow, like, I mean, wrestling your senior year, I didn't really know what I was doing. That was very difficult, very humbling. I lost a lot. Um, but I learned so many valuable lessons and I was around, you know, just a bunch of studs that every day, like, I mean, I think wrestling's the worst and best sport of all time. It's absolutely miserable, but never was there a day I was excited to go to practice. But again, it's that accountability and not wanting to let my team down, my coach down, myself down. I mean, that's the greatest coach I've ever had was uh, coach Nichols at Tempanogas high school. He, he believed in me and made me believe in myself. And I think that is such a crucial leadership aspect. I mean, I've seen a whole assortment of leaders in the army and at West Point and everything. And the ones that stood out to me were the ones that genuinely I could tell they cared about me mm. and didn't talk at me, but talked to me and with me and cared about my development
2: that's a good that's a good lesson on on leadership, so if I'm hearing you correctly, I'm taking notes here, I'm like, oh this this is good. I'm going to use this in a training, but the way the way to develop- me, like just being freaking mentally tough is putting yourself in difficult situations intentionally, deliberately. you're going out Absolutely. of your way to like like what you said, like on the other side of pain, that's when greatness is achieved, that's when the reward is, et cetera. Did you have a follow-up question on that, Ace?
0: No, man, I, I thought it was awesome. Like your response to that was was amazing. Um, I mean, earlier you said like, you know, when, once you set kind of your mind to something, you're going to go get it done. And as, you know, as you're going through your competition, I'm thinking like, you know, is there, is there any moments where, you know, you want to give up, right? Or you, or you want to stop. Um, and, and I don't know if there was during this competition um, or not. It seems like you and your partner were able to help each other out. But, um, but yeah, I guess, I guess what you just like, was there a moment, I guess, in the competition where you were just like, Hey, you know, this kind of hit you in the face and you wanted it to be done or, or was, did that not take place?
1: <laughs> no, it definitely, it definitely
0: did. I'm not gonna lie.
1: I mean, I never like actually was like borderline. I'm going to quit, but mm. we did, a we jumped off basically like fast roped. Uh, well, I guess that's not true. We did that a different time, but we, we built like a, kind of like a, a raft out of our rucks. It's kind of a weird deal. You like wrap like a waterproof poncho around, um, tie it up all sorts of knots. It's kind of, kind of a whole ordeal. And then we flew in, in a, a in an Apache, no, not an Apache, a Black Hawk helicopter. And we threw the, the raft into a lake, jumped out of the helicopter and then we had to swim the raft to the shore. Um, and I was just gassed at this point. I was cramping up in the water and then we had to pick up our, our raft and drag it and then ruck a few miles. We didn't know how far it was going to be. So it was pretty tough mentally, but we had to ruck a few miles, um, to the finish line for that event. But we were idiots and we didn't, we didn't waterproof any of our stuff. So our rucks were like a hundred pounds oh, each. It was, it was pretty brutal. Dang. Yeah. And so we were just barely moving, trying to run, but, felt like we were moving at a walking pace. And I was, I was pretty upset, uh, kind of like with myself and my poor planning. And I was kind of down bad, had a little, little poopy face in that moment. But again, like kind of like what I talked about, it's just, it's just not, it's just, it sounds simple, but it's just not letting yourself down. Like I was like, man, this is awful, but I would much rather just suck it up and get through it than quit, take the easy way out. And then regret it forever and be like ah oh, what if you know what i mean like i always remind myself when i'm in those kind of terrible moments i'm pretty weird like i start just saying stuff to myself but <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do uh like i just started saying like this too shall pass like that was kind of my motto when i went to to ranger school um because that was a pretty brutal experience but yeah just remind yourself like hey this is awful but it's gonna end like i'm gonna eventually be back in my bed i'm eventually gonna have a a nice fresh meal, like life's good. Like we're so blessed.
2: I love that. It's like embrace the sucky moment because it's going to be, it's going to pass soon. Uh, exactly. Th- they they say, so this is Jesse Itzler. He said, grit is the number one indicator of future success. I'm going to read one more thing too. When I'm hearing what you're saying, this is from the book, Grit. She said, most people are great when things are going well, but they fall apart when things aren't. And it seemed like the harder things got, you were you were so accustomed to just embracing the suck and like persevering through when times were the worst that that's how you were able to get through. And if we're not kind of doing that in life, if we're not accustomed to just like pain or accustomed to like, if you're not doing something where you're like wanna give up, you're maybe not pushing yourself hard enough, right? You're maybe not engaging in, in things that are so hard. And so we we wanna be respectful of your time. Um, It's gone by pretty fast actually. Yeah, we know you're you're in Germany. I don't know what you're eight hours ahead of us. So thank you once again so much for all this. I guess just I want to have a couple rapid fire questions with you, and and um like congratulations on finishing third place. You had no business doing that with the the lack of preparation you had and and everything else going on in Europe. So like what way to overachieve and way to represent? And it's it's so cool to see like when you go all in and you're doing things that are that are just inspiring. You never know who's listening. You never know who's watching. You never know how many lives are blessed when you're excellent. And so that's really cool what you guys did. And now we have a thousand reps we work with that they're going to kind of benefit from that, but just maybe we can kind of finish with just a couple of rapid questions that maybe will be applicable for us. So, uh, when, when you are, uh, when you're setting a goal, a lot of our guys set goals each day and it's like, you're facing failure or you're not you're not quite there is there something like what advice would you give to someone that's setting a goal that wants to achieve a goal and they're maybe just they're struggling
1: yeah i think i think the biggest thing about goals for me at least is ensuring that they're tangible like i i think like the biggest difference between goals and dreams is a goal you can actually put on paper like every I wish I did it more, more constantly or more consistently, like more frequently is, I mean, I like that daily goals. That's good. Cause then, you know, what you need that day. I mean, I've definitely, at least every six months sat down, written out my goals, visualized them. And I think that alone helps you in whatever weird way it does. But, um, the universe will help you make that happen. If you actually make the effort, I think there's power in writing down your goals and making sure they're, they're uh, achievable, realistic, but also ensuring that they push you. Love it.
0: Dean, what's um what would you say is like one thing that the that, that, that motivates you, right? That just gets you excited. I mean, um through all this and it seems like you're a super successful guy, like you're kind of the cream of the crop, right? But what is it that that gets you just just excited?
1: To be honest, I just love being the underdog. I love <laughs> like I feel like I've been an underdog my whole life. I've been undersized. Uh, I didn't really have much success athletically in high school or anything, but I felt like I could be, I could be a beast. I just never had the right opportunity. And so um, I think just, I love proving people wrong, proving myself right and just pushing myself. That's a great answer. Yeah. We in this book, grit. She talks about work
2: is, should count twice and effort should count twice versus talent. I mean, the people that are the ones that don't quit are the ones that are the most mentally tough. And maybe they are the ones that don't have all the talent that have to work for it. And then it doesn't come naturally easy or they're naturally gifted, but they have to work for it. And then they respect it. And it's like, dang, it took me this, this long to get where I'm at. And then they just surpass everyone else because they had to go grind. I love that. Last question I think I have for you. And I, maybe we can meet up again. I know you're 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 out of the country a lot, you know. Um, and we appreciate you and salute you for for serving our country and everything else. Um, and thank you so much for your time. But is there one lesson you've learned from a mentor, and you kind of mentioned a coach already at, at Timpanogos, But like, uh, from uh your dad or from a uh, someone out there where it's just like, man, this person has inspired me. They've motivated me. What's one lesson that you've learned that we can take with us? It's like, dang. This is what just, it fuels me.
1: Man, that's a great question. Um, I probably said that like 15 times right now, but- hey, We're full of great questions. <laughs> no, I, we're keeping these coming. Really. <laughs> you sure are. <laughs> Got the ace up your sleeve. All right. So I would say, I would say just having someone that believes in you. Like it sounds so corny, but I think a lot of people, especially in this generation, like lack self-confidence and naturally harbor a lot of self-doubt because I think a lot of it is generated by social media and different factors where we go on our phones 20 times a day, 200 times a day, and all we see is successful people. And we start to think, oh man, like I can't measure up whatever, but having that, that coach, that leader, whatever you want to be, that figure partner, whatever that really believes in you and is an anchor in your life, I think is the most important thing. And you, even if you feel like you lack that, like, I'm sorry, but you can always be that person in someone else's life. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times you will have no idea the impact you've had in their life until, I don't know, maybe, maybe after we die or whatever. But I think just believing in other people and uh, believing in yourself, I think that is like one of the most important aspects of leadership in my opinion.
2: I love it. I think we're going to finish with that. You've been, you, you you filled us today. So thank you so much for, you know, just being great and being a beast and for inspiring us to not do simple things, but do hard things and embrace the suck, take the pain. A few things I, I wrote down. I, I love those four things about a boxer, always be hungry, never quit, be relentless and brotherhood. Like those are four like awesome principles, but Dean, we're going to let you get back to maybe sleep. I know you're used to going on one hour, but maybe if we get done here, you can have a few more hours than that. But in all seriousness, thank you from the, the vivant family, the Triumph family. Um, you're you're changing lives and we're watching from afar, but thank you so much for your service and and for giving us some time today.
1: No, I love you guys. I really appreciate it.
2: You're a stud, man. Keep killing it. Appreciate it.
1: All right,
0: you too, boss. Right, have bye-bye. a good night. See you, Dean.
2: What a stud, Ace! What a stud! Any any takeaways before we end this podcast that you'd like to yeah I review? Mean, dude,
0: lots of good stuff, right? I think uh, there at the end when he said, "Be the one," right? Mm-hmm. I think we've all had leaders, um, you know, that have gone before us that like believed in us when we we didn't have that kind of belief in ourselves, right? And now where we're sitting from our perspective is like we could be the one for them, yeah. Right? So I thought that was cool. I'm, I mean, Dean again, I'm, I'm a fan of his, like, it was cool to see, you know, get a little glimpse of that. Um, and super grateful for you yeah, for his service, man. It was, it was cool to watch.
2: Yeah. Super excited, uh, to just listen, re re listen to this podcast. And there was a ton of jams. I wanted to like say, Oh, that's like this on the doors. And that's like that. I just wanted to be, you know, respectful of his time, but there's a lot of jams that we can apply to daily life or knocking doors or whatever it is. And, um, triumph. Let's go all in. Let's embrace the pain. Let's embrace the suck. And when you want to quit, guess what? The best part is after the pain. Pain is only temporary. Thanks for being on.